Preppers come from all walks of life and have different motivations for preparing for emergencies and disasters. However, there are some common characteristics that many, though not all, preppers share. And that's what we're talking about on this episode, which starts now. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 388. We so appreciate you being here. We don't tell you that enough, but we really do appreciate you. Now, if you would like the episode notes for this particular episode, go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 388. We've got one announcement before we get into the podcast today, and we're excited about this. We are going to be at the Black Warrior Ham Fest this Saturday, June the 17th of 2023, and that runs from 8.30 until 2 p.m. Now, that's in Northport, Alabama. Northport is next door to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. In fact, the ham fest itself is at the Tuscaloosa High School. That is 12,500 Wildcat Drive with a zip of 35475 if you want to put that into your GPS. We also have the link to the HamFest on everywhere we put them. It's on already on Facebook, it's on the blog, it's on personal pages, and it will be in the episode notes as well. All right, Krista, you alluded to it. What are we talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about the 12 common characteristics shared by many preppers. Not too long ago, someone said, you know, I'm not a prepper, but I do stock provisions and I have skills and I'm aware of the weather. And I I said, so you actually are a prepper. And they said, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. I asked one the other day, I said, do you buy toilet tissue by the roll or do you buy it in the four pack, eight pack? And they said the 48 pack. I said, you're a prepper. Exactly. And so there's actually some common characteristics that are shared by many preppers. And the first and probably most obvious is that preppers practice self-sufficiency. Yeah, we realize that after a disaster, help's going to be a while in getting there. And there's no way to tell exactly how long. No, no. FEMA recommends self-sufficiency for 72 hours, and they know, too, that it's going to be a while before help gets there. And those resources will initially be devoted to search and rescue as well as infrastructure, as in getting the roads open. So it's going to be a while before food and material supplies get to you. You know, that self-sufficiency really comes through because preppers do not want to put their family's survival or even their comfort onto relying on the government. They know that they've got to rely on their own sense of preparedness. And that's really the message we're trying to get out, to be practical and to be prepared. I don't want to have to depend on the government or anyone else to be able to keep you fed and you warm. Because, let's face it, happy wife, happy life. And so (laughs) I prep to be able to take care of whatever we need. And then when help comes along, that's great. But until then, we'll make it. Number two, preppers are proactive in their preparedness approach to emergencies and disasters. 
Yeah, that's right. Because first of all, you want to make a plan and you're making a plan because you're aware that things can happen and have happened. Many preppers become preppers after they have experienced their first emergency where they weren't prepared. So now they know, hey, look, if it can happen to me this way, it can happen to anybody, anytime. So they take those steps to prepare with their food storage and their water storage and a plan for resourcing and filtering that water, usually with a personal water filter like a Sawyer Mini or a Life Straw or something like a gravity-fed water filtration system. We personally use the Pro One because it is a gravity-fed system. It's not reliant on any type of electric pumping or anything like that. Yeah, and as long as gravity continues to work, which I expect that it will, we won't have a problem with water. Well, you know, if gravity stops working, we have other problems. That's that's a whole different kind of prepping. So mm-hmm. let's <laughs> let's just move on from there. Also, they plan for power outages because even when you live, you know, next door to the electric company, you still can experience a power outage for various reasons. Not too long ago, we were sitting in our home watching TV and the whole block went out, but the entire city didn't go out. We found out there had been a power pole accident. A vehicle had crashed into a power pole. It took some transformers out and a small section of the grid got bumped out. And so, you know, for a couple of hours, we were without power. They got it fixed. But, you know, it can happen. It can be a storm, an accident, just any kind of thing. Even a lightning strike can hit a transformer and boom, you've got no power. Mm -hmm. So they've got their flashlights. They've got their LED lanterns. They've got generators. If their power is going to be off for a significant amount of time, which in my opinion would be closer to the six to 10 hours or more, because then you've got to think about your refrigeration, your freezer, air conditioning, that sort of thing. And so for that reason, we purchased a generator. So we wanted to be even further prepared should we encounter a storm situation that's going to keep us down for, say, a week. Yeah, these are proactive measures that we've taken, and many preppers do this. I was joking about the toilet tissue. You are being proactive if you buy the 48-pack. Yeah, it's not just a good bargain, which it is, but it's also a form of preparedness. We don't want that COVID shortage to hit us again. Like, we don't need a pandemic of toilet tissue. So I just saw that the White House is reinstituting the masking and social distancing policies for the non-vaccinated that will be visiting the White House on College Day with the NCAA teams that have won national championships and such. I just read that today. So there's one. They declared that the emergency was over, and now they are punishing the non-vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you can go, but you must social distance, which means you can't shake hands with folks that you would like to. And you must mask up, even though the CDC has guaranteed that that's... That they don't work. Oh, no. Okay. That's a that might be another podcast for us. But Yeah, well these are political masks at this particular point, but that's a whole different ballgame. But we're back to talking about being proactive. And you talked about being proactive with our plan for power outages. Many preppers are also proactive with auxiliary heat. Now that can be anything fireplace, wood burning stove. But if you have the fireplace and wood burning stove, be sure you have some firewood. We personally have a propane heater. We have the Mr. Heater Big Buddy, and we have the cable to connect it to the tank that will let us run on high for 20 hours. And let me just pop in here and remind 
all of us, that in our nation of America, we can be right here in the middle of the month of June, where it's a blistering hot summer for so many. But right now, there are cities that are going to be in the 40s tonight. I have a cousin who lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and at any time, literally any time of the calendar year, they can experience a three-foot snowfall. And when the snow falls, it's cold. And that can happen in June, July, August, any time. So when we talk about auxiliary heating, for some of us, that's going to be a year-round situation. You know, if it gets to be in the 40s here tonight, I'm going to want the heat on. Oh, we're going to have the heat on well before that. But if the power if goes the, off right. and the temp drops, we're going back to get the get the big buddy. The big buddy. Exactly. So, I really like using it. It's a safe, indoor safe. We have used it dozens of times. And it's, it is very indoor safe, and it's very effective. We've actually had to cut it back because it heats so well. Oh, yes, and we've used it inside our tent while camping. Exactly. A very, very good system. But we're proactive with that. Now, here's another one. Preppers tend to be resourceful. Yeah, that's the third item on our list of the common characteristics of a prepper is that a resourceful prepper is one who is creative and thoughtful and solves problems, and they also make the most of what they have. Yeah, sometimes we have to MacGyver things. I like that. You've taken the noun and made a verb out of it. (laughs) MacGyver could take a paper clip and build anything. Of course. We have to look and see what we have and what we can do to solve the problem that we are facing. And you know something else is you've got to also be adaptable, which means you may have a plan and you may execute that plan, but the plan may not work. Now what are you going to do? Well, it may change. It may change, and you've got to change with it. These situations can be fluid, and so we've just got to plan to be adaptable. We've got to plan to be fluid. Next thing on our list, number four, preppers tend to be community-minded. I would say probably most preppers. There's a few out there that are absolutely not community-minded. Well, with any part of the population, true. But many preppers will build or become part of a prepping community and build networks. Doesn't mean that you necessarily share a bug-out location or something, but it is a group of people that we can depend upon in case of an emergency. With a few phone calls, we can get some help to come to us. We have become a part of a small group that shares the prepping mindset, and we come together from time to time and fellowship and share ideas, and we know that we can call on that group for help. Now, we don't have a community bug-out location. We don't have a community stockpile. It's a bunch of individuals who have just built some community. Yes, and we've actually found that each of us has different strengths and skills. You know, one does canning, another one does tinctures, another one knows how to butcher, another one is good at agriculture, another one is good at building. And another one is really good at making goat cheese. Yes, exactly. Many of the preppers are involved in their local communities in various ways. They're school volunteers, volunteer firefighters, volunteer EMTs, and many are involved in various civic organizations. And they're building community and they're giving back 
to the community. And it also keeps them very aware of what their community is comprised mm-hmm. of. Not only the geographic locations, but also getting to know the people that live in the various communities, particularly the rural setting. And it's building networks. Who do you know? Who do you know? What do they have that they can bring to the table if there's a problem? And, you know, that's a good old common sense way of life that's been going on for hundreds of years. And so it's always worked. Why shouldn't it continue to work? So let's jump over here to the fifth item on our list. Preppers focus on practicality. Now, see, that just sings to us because we are practical preppers. We're practical preppers because we like to inform you to be prepared for the things you and I, are most likely to face in our day-to-day lives. And most preppers do that. They they prepare for the things that they are most likely to face. For us, it's natural disasters. It's tornadoes, to be honest. But natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, snow and ice storms, those are the things that many of us are most likely to face But we can all face power outages. We could all face job loss, medical issues, supply chain issues, and food shortages. We all face rising inflation. These are the things that preppers focus on practically. We're not focusing on bunkers. We're not looking at zombies and alien invasions. We're looking at the practical things. Exactly. And that's what makes you a better prepared person. Number six on the list, preppers practice awareness, or at least they should practice awareness. We're talking about situational awareness. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot over the past three years, and that is being situationally aware when we are out knowing what's going on around us. Now, these folks walking down through the mall, looking at their phone and typing, they're not aware of what's going on around them. They have sometimes have become a victim of a crime, or they have just tumbled headfirst into the mall fountain. Yeah, and those are the funny ones, but, you know, I think It teaches learn. a lesson. It, it does. It does. But we have to be situationally aware of what's going on around us when we're out. But we also need to be aware of potential threats and hazards in our environment. For example, is there a hurricane out there somewhere? Is there one in the Gulf of Mexico? If there is, I really start watching that. That could affect many of our folks. The Atlantic hurricanes, I watch those closely. We've got friends and listeners on the East Coast. It could be affecting them. Oh, I know. I've been in a hurricane in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is nowhere near the coast. (laughs) Another thing to be aware of is are the grocery store shelves showing some bare spots? You know, you see that from time to time, and stores can differ. There's some here in town that I've walked into that are highly stocked. I mean, they are jammed up. Then you go to the next one down the street, and they are really showing some emptiness. So, you know, that it tells me something about their individual supply chains. That and the long-term forecast is that we are probably going to experience some more food shortages toward the latter fourth of the year in the fourth quarter because of lower food yields in the fields and because of some of the labor issues. So it's just something that we need to be taking some steps to mitigate those risks. I understand, too, that the West Coast is experiencing either an impending 
dock worker strike or it has already begun. So it tells me when I see that kind of supply chain issue on the West Coast, there's going to be a trickle down effect to the Gulf and the East Coast as well with dock workers. And a lot of those supplies are going to be those big barge containers. And some of those do carry food supplies, both perishable and non-perishable. And one of the things that I heard that's on a lot of those ships that are coming in now is the holiday season items. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it makes sense that those companies are, they're, they're getting their orders in six, eight, 10 months in advance, maybe a year in advance. But some of that items are right now being expected to be delivered, and they're sitting on ships. And a dock worker strike would really put a kink in that. Here's another thing to think about, too, and we're talking about the situational awareness, not just your own individual whereabouts, which that's very important, but also be aware of what's taking place socially in your area. Are you living in a spot that may be having a higher than usual number of small protests or maybe large protests? Are there some political factions that are heating up? Are things looking a little unsettled in places? You just need to be aware socially of what may be happening in your area and how that could impact you and your travel and your workplace or school or what have you. So do not keep your head in the sand, as it were. Do be aware if you hear reports of some civil unrest, that's going to be part of your situational awareness. And that should bear in a factor into where you go and maybe don't travel alone or at night in places like that. And be looking ahead at what could cause rights. You know, I tend to think we could have some rights the day after the next election, the next federal election. Well, that's gotten to be a national expectation, I think, yes, in a way. And, and it depends on which way certain races go, certain congressional districts, certain national offices. It could create some pandemonium in the streets. And so we just need to look ahead at some of those kinds of things and what could happen. We've experienced food shortages in the grocery stores from supply chain issues. Now we're hearing from farmers how food harvests are decreasing and will likely get smaller. We could find ourselves staring at empty pantry shelves or standing in food lines. Yes, it could happen in America. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years, super survival food. This is that next tier level of food storage we've talked about on the podcast. These kits are compact, sturdy, water resistant, and stack easily. They have delicious breakfast, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add water, simmer, and serve. Right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. They're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code PREPPER. Start building your stockpile today. 
I have something very important to tell you, and I hope that you stick with me here for just a few moments. I'm going to read to you a series of dates and cities, and I want you to listen carefully. One of these cities may be yours. 2014, Flint, Michigan. 2015, Mexico City, Mexico. 2016, Rome, New York. 2017, Carnegie Mellon University. 2018, Cartersville, Illinois, and the town of Nashville, Indiana. 2019, Troy, New York. 2020, the town of Jay, New York. 2021, Tyler, Texas, and Cape Girardeau, Missouri. What do all of these have in common? I'll tell you. Water system contaminations requiring a boil water order. Do you want something a little more current? Veterans Day weekend in Millwood, Washington on November 11th, 2022, a boil order was in place because of E. coli contamination. On that very same day, seven Florida counties were under a system-wide boil water notice. Clean water is a worldwide problem. Did you know that 50%, fully half, of hospital beds globally are occupied with patients suffering from water-related illnesses? Water is always a great concern for preppers, and not just the hardcore preppers. It's also a concern for us practical preppers. That is why we use the Pro One Big Two gravity water filter, not only for prepping, but for everyday use. It makes our water taste cleaner, our coffee tastes better, and if we ever need to start getting drinking water from the creek or river, we've got the Pro One Big Two. Pro One gravity filters are amazing. You pour unclean water into the top section, and crystal clear drinking water comes out into the lower section. There are several sizes for the countertop that hold either two or three gallons, and even a pitcher size that holds a little less than a half a gallon, and that can go into your refrigerator. Each filter has replaceable cartridges. The 7-inch cartridge will filter up to a 1,000 gallons. The 9-inch cartridge will filter up to 1,200 gallons, and with up to three filters in each unit, that is some serious filtering capacity. The best thing about the Pro One Gravity water filter is that not only it's one of the best performing filters on the market, they are very affordable. And to make it even more affordable, Pro One is having a holiday sale all the way through New Year's Eve 2022. Here's their offer. They're giving 15% off of a whole house system and 25% off everything else they offer. Plus, free shipping, yes, I said it, free shipping on orders of $69.95 or over. You can even make four interest-free payments. There is no reason not to order your Pro One water filter today. Pro One Gravity Water Filters. There's a link on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Hey, check it out. You know that part-time business you've been doing for a while? Maybe it's time to take it to the next level and really see what it can do. Sometimes all it takes is a little push or a little help from the right people. The folks at ProLine Digital Group are the right people when it comes to your website or growing your business through digital marketing. I've used a lot of website hosting over the years, and honestly, ProLine Digital has been the best I've ever used. In the last two years, we've had exactly zero minutes of outage or downtime. That's reliability. 
So whether you want an informative site, an online store, or to start online marketing, check out ProLine Digital Group. They're linked from our website or go to ProLineDigitalGroup.com. Now, we made mention of this a while ago, but I really want to go back and talk about this flexibility and adaptability. We need to understand that emergencies and disasters are unpredictable. That's something that we just have to accept. When I was teaching disaster relief workers, I used to say, be fluid because flexible may be too stiff. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're talking about uber adaptable. Yes, we're, we're talking about the wind just changed and the waves are coming from a different direction. Mm-hmm. We, we've got to do something. Things happen that are beyond our control, and we just have to roll with those punches and be willing to adapt our plans, our strategies, and our procedures. We do this in business all the time. We look at what may be happening. We look at changing markets, and we adapt our plans and our strategies and the procedures that go with them. And the smaller companies are able to react to that much quicker because they are such smaller companies. They don't have these bureaucracies that they have to deal with. We need to be that way as a prepper. We need to be looking out for the places that the plan may change and we may have to adapt with a lot of flexibility. Yeah, that's a good mindset to have. Number eight on our list is preppers generally practice frugality. Basically, being frugal means to be very wise with the expenditure of your finances, and you're even searching for more ways to save money. Some people do this by creating their own garden, growing their own food, or they'll become members of a wholesale club and they'll buy in bulk, and we do, and that helps us a lot for prepping. Yeah, and that is that we're buying cases of the things which we normally use. We can we could have a tractor trailer come up and unload with cream of mushroom soup, and we would eventually use it. Eventually. I mean, casseroles, and I just love to eat the stuff by yeah, itself. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I had never actually thought of creating cream of mushroom soup as an eatable soup. Oh, Mark loves it. I'm like, really? I've only always cooked with it. That's what these Southern women, I didn't even think cream of mushroom soup was supposed to be eaten out of a bowl, but he does it. Oh, yeah. So it's good. So maybe some of you too. I don't know. Put some of those captain wafers in there, cut them in or break them in half. And I guess I'm going to have to try it. I can't poo poo it until I try it. Right. That's well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let that go. But yeah. Oh, I probably didn't say that very well. Something else we buy is cases of baked beans. Yeah, baked beans. <laughs> We're going to go through a lot of baked beans. And green beans, now that I've I found a way to prepare them that he really likes. And so oh, I've yes. gotten, Mark would not eat his green beans, but I have figured out a way to make him eat his green beans. I may have to tell you about that next time. And we can post that the way you do that on the website, or we can post it on yeah. Facebook. Super easy. But you'll have to write that down because I have no idea what you do with them, but I know you do make them good. Okay, but back to frugality. Look at buying items on sale. See, I like to do that. I like to brag that I almost never pay full price for anything. Uh, that's my that's my goal. That's my aim. I may not always hit it, but I like a good sale just like the next person. And so I always feel like I get a good bargain, good value. And especially the BOGO. Buy one, get one. Now, I learned something. Krista actually taught me this one in the grocery store and you might keep an eye out for this as well we went in and i've forgotten what we were going to buy in vegetables 
and there were we were going to get about three cans. I think we were going to get one can for our pantry and two cans for the prepper closet. And what we noticed is that we could buy six for the same price. They had that special sale if you had a rewards card at that particular grocery store. Yeah, that was which an, you in, do. an in-house sale. Yes, yeah. it was an in-house sale. And you bought six for the price of three. Right. So it's like, huh, duh. I mean, it's buy one, get one, <laughs> but it made it half price. I'll tell you what they used to do when I lived in Concord, North Carolina. This was great. And I'll just go ahead and give them a shout out. The Harris Teeter Grocery Store. Oh, I loved that grocery store. I don't know that they do it anymore, but oh, they used to have buy one, get three free cases of sodas. Buy one get three free. They were not kidding. It was great. Anyway, so that's a good BOGO. I've also found that shopping on the like Facebook marketplace or the offer up apps or even eBay or things like that. Craigslist. There's great values to be had. A lot of times you may be looking for a larger piece of equipment that you need as a prepper, but you may not have $400 to shell out for, you know, a new piece of equipment, but somebody on Craigslist may have it for 50 and you go check it out and find out it's perfectly fine. So to see that you're money ahead on that. Also and reuse and repurpose different items as well. I mean, we'll take a metal can that every once in a while you can still buy coffee in a metal can and I'll save those metal cans and I can use those for something later because they generally don't crush like a plastic or a paper can will. And they work great in the shop. You label it and you put this size nails in it and you can just sort them that way. And then uh, last in this particular list is something I probably struggle with, and that is to limit the impulse purchases. And there's a reason that's in here. I admit that I do that. It's a it's a practice I'm going to have to work on. But yes, I do impulse buy. From Does anybody time time. need a Duma Hitchy? We got one. We'll <laughs> say it. <laughs> All right. So why don't you tell them what we have as number nine on our 12 common characteristics of preppers? Preppers are always seeking knowledge. Oh, seeking knowledge. Now, that can be learning new skills, fire making, first aid, food preservation, ham radio, Morse code. Just to name a few. Just to name a few. And one, and, and Christus mentioned this, neither one of us have ever been taught how to can food. My mother used to do it, but I was a very, very little bitty kid. Yes. I mean, I'm talking four or five years old. I, I remember my grandmother doing it. I remember aunts doing it. And we have seen that we need to learn to can food. Mm-hmm. From what we've researched, it's really not that expensive. And it really gives you fresh vegetables in the middle of the winter. Well, I think it, to start up with pressure canners and jars, you're going to have to put some outlay to start with. With pressure canners, mm-hmm. yes. But hot water bath canning, not so much. Yeah, that's true. Not so much. I don't think my mother had a pressure canner. And then but. again, we can go to some of those sites and look for somebody that tried it and wants to get out of it. Yeah, we might save some money. <laughs> yeah, we, we really might. Or estate sales yeah, or something that's like true. that. So, yeah, that's going to be something that that's an area neither one of us is very skilled in, but we want to learn that skill. So we're going to be embarking on that skill trail coming up and uh we're and gonna we're, we're gonna need that because what we're discussing now is building a greenhouse mm-hmm. and so we've got the spot and 
I had thought about using that spot with a concrete pad already there. And she actually mentioned that she had thought about putting a greenhouse there. So that is in the near future for the greenhouse. But, you know, talking about seeking knowledge, learning new skills is one way to seek knowledge. And another is to do a lot of reading and research. And that's going to come in the form of other podcasts as well as our own, which we're so grateful that you listen to our podcast and that you're so faithful to visit with us because it means a lot to us to have you here right here with us. And I hope that you learn from us and we would like to learn from you and also look for books. And we do recommend a physical book because if you're in a longer than usual grid down situation, We hope not, but who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So those physical books that you can open up in your hand are going to be more than valuable because if you've got no other way to read one, what are you going to do? Right. And there's all kinds of YouTube videos. There's all kinds of forums, Facebook groups. There's all kinds of online information. Our website, we try to give you information on there through articles We post some things on the blog. Sometimes we will link that to an article that we have there, or we will link it to an article that's somewhere else. Now, we're redoing our website to some degree. We're making some changes on there, and we want it to be a place that you can come and look for information. And it's taken a little while to get it all changed over. There's a lot of work that goes into that, but we are doing that for you. Number 10. Preppers practice a preparedness mindset. That's a lot of peas. Yeah, that's actually more than just the physical preps. You're talking about what's going on between the ears. Exactly. We've talked about that mindset of getting through this. We've talked about that mindset of failure is not an option. We've talked about that mindset that I'm going to survive this regardless of what happens. It's a mindset, but we're also talking about other things here, like financial preparedness. This is where we have to be preparing ourselves for that inflation, for tax increases. We need to be preparing ourselves for those unexpected events that come along. We're going to have to replace the roof on our house. That's something we know we're going to have to do, and we've been preparing for that. And we just need to have that financial preparedness, also mental and emotional preparedness. We don't think enough about this. You think about the stress and anxiety that would come during a disaster or during some type of SHTF event. What kind of mental pressures and emotional stresses will we have with that? That's something that we need to prepare for in that mindset. We also think about spiritual preparedness because we human beings are a spiritual being. And whether or not you think so doesn't make it not true. We are a very spiritual being. And because of that, we need to have some spiritual preparedness. Now, Mark and I both are believers. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that he is the true and only Son of God. We've trusted in him as our Savior, and we know that we are his, and that not only does he have the Holy Spirit living within our lives here, but we also have the promise 
of heaven whence we depart this body. So for us to live is Christ and to die is gain, as the Apostle Paul wrote in God's Word. And so we've never shied away from the fact that we are believers. Now, we want to also be respectful of the fact that you may or may not be a believer. We understand that. We recognize that. One of the gifts that God gave humankind is the free will to choose. See, that's the thing, is that God does not send anybody to hell, and he doesn't send anybody to heaven. We're born already on the road to hell. We're born that way because of our sin nature. So being sent to hell is already a part of our sin nature. But Christ came as the sinless Son of God, and it was God's plan that Christ would come because God knew that we could not pay that penalty. We were all destined for hell. He needed a proper sacrifice, a worthy lamb, and Christ is that lamb. And Christ died on the cross and satisfied God's plan for the payment of our penalty. We believe this, and we believe that spiritually we are prepared so that come what may, if we should die on this earth, We'll just be at home in heaven with Christ. And we wanted to share that with you because we truly do believe this and we have the Bible to stand on for this type of belief system. We respect you if you do not believe that. You don't have to. It is your choice. But we urge you to open your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit should you be so led to seek Christ as your personal Savior as well. And that really leads us to number 11, which is making a risk assessment. When we're assessing our spiritual lives, there's a risk. There's a risk if we are not believers and we die. There's a risk that we will not see heaven. The other thing about risk assessment is that we list potential threats in our environment. Yes, our most likely threat is Severe weather. Right. And we're kind of on standby looking for it possibly come in tonight. But that's one of the things that we prepare for because, I mean, honestly, Alabama has more tornadoes than Oklahoma. You know, they've actually shifted what's called Tornado Alley from Oklahoma over to the Mississippi-Alabama area. Mm-hmm. Because of that very fact that they may have very devastating tornadoes out there in Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas. But we have more of them. We have you know, significantly higher numbers of them touching down on our soil. I've seen over 250 tornadoes in the state of Alabama in one day. That's crazy nuts. That's crazy nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's happened more than once. Wow. But we have those major outbreaks. So that's one of the things that we prepare for. Now, honestly, we do not prepare for avalanche. No, I we're, don't we're believe that. We're in North Alabama. If we ever had an avalanche here... We've got other problems. We'd better have been prepared for it because <laughs> the first, of, the snow has to fall. A couple of reasons. <laughs> we don't get that much snow. Right. And we don't live that close to a mountain, Mm-mm. to be honest. Nope. I mean, the city we live in is ringed by what we call mountains, but it's nothing like the Rockies no, or it's a, any of those. Yeah. But if you live in an area that is prone to have avalanches, then you need to make some preparations for that. Mm-hmm. If you were to get cut off in one, and I'm not gonna, I'm not an expert on avalanches. I know I don't want to be in one. But what are the things that you are most likely? to face the most likely events. You know, think about this. If you live on the Mississippi River, guess what one of your threat assessments should include? Mississippi River flood. Mm -hmm. 
because you know it's going to happen. In fact, we talked about this on a podcast some back where the Mississippi had devastatingly flooded. Arkansas was in trouble all the way up through Iowa. So there's a, if you live on the West Coast and you live, say, in Oakland, you know what your threat is? Earthquake, okay, or the Santa Ana winds or wildfire. Everybody lives somewhere where you know either there's a disaster or a weather event that is a guaranteed surety. You just don't know how severe it may strike you. So prepare for it. Now, number 12, many preppers do have a do-it-yourself mentality. See, we enjoy learning how to make things from scratch. Oh, you mean like building like a debris shelter? and Building a debris yeah. shelter or making their own soap. Yeah, and I mentioned tinctures. Mm -hmm. These are like medications made from herbal remedies and oils that date back to hundreds and hundreds of years ago when the the wisdom of earth and the plants and the things that God provided on earth created our medicines and our pharmaceuticals. I read one the other day, poke salad. You're familiar with poke salad? I know that if you don't cook it right, you could die. That's true. It. And I grew up eating it because my grandmother knew how to cook it. Oh. But we have a lot of poke salad that comes up around here. I've seen it. And the above the ground stuff, if not prepared properly, will kill you. Mm. But the stuff below the ground makes great, powerful medication or medicinal tinctures. Are you talking about some the roots? The roots. It can be used to make very, very powerful medicinal tinctures. We'll just throw this out there to those of you listening. Why don't you find that and research that for us? Let's see if we'll research it, too, and we'll compare notes. So let's talk about that. You know, research the poke salad roots for the antibiotic properties. And if you want to, we'll bring you on here and you can explain that. We'll just do an interview. Yeah. yeah that'll be an interesting Love thing. Love to hear from you. Starting in July, we're going to start doing a lot more interviews and a lot more things. And we've got some announcements coming up. But back to this do-it-yourself, the hobbies that a lot of preppers have. Me personally, I was in the wood shop yesterday. He was. I'm building Krista a desk. He is. I do enjoy working with my hands in the wood shop. He's very good at it, too. Not as good as her dad. I would love to be half as good as he was, but he was definitely a master woodworker. A lot of hobbies folks will garden. That's mm -hmm. a very practical thing. Me personally, I have a hard time keeping silk plants alive, <laughs> but, you know, there's you keep I, watering them. That's I, the problem. Okay. 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 Well, I'm doing something wrong. They're dying of fungus and mold. But <laughs> I have been able to keep a few tomato plants and a few other things alive on my own. Now, when my dad and grandmother were alive, we had a very large garden. They knew really what they were doing, and, and we had a tremendous garden each year. Another hobby that a lot of preppers are in is ham radio. Oh, yes. It's something that's very, very usable. And, you know, we always joke around, and it's not a joke. When when all else fails, ham radio works. And I know I can hear folks saying, well, the repeaters, da, 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 all this. I know, I know. But there's ways to use ham radio without a repeater. We do it all the time. Oh, yes. So anyway, we just wanted to share with you 12 common characteristics that we have seen that are shared by many preppers. Maybe there's more that you would like to put in. 
Hey, you know, remind our listeners as well how they can support us if they find some value in what we've talked about. If you find value in this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would give back a little bit by buying us a cup of coffee. I've got a cup of coffee sitting right here with me right now. I've been sipping on. You may have actually heard it. I have. A time or two. and. <laughs> So you can go to our website and click on Buy Me a Coffee, and you can go there, and we certainly appreciate that. And you can buy one of our books. And don't forget that 10% of everything that we take in here goes to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital fighting childhood cancer. And just to remind you as well that we will be at the Black Warrior Ham Fest this coming Saturday, the 17th of June of 2023. And we'll put the links to that and to St. Jude's in the episode notes and in the show description. Anything else you want to share before we go? Well, you know, my friends will hear me say that stuff happens, so you've got to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.